this day. I pray and thank you for being here. I know you're in this room. I know that you're in the rooms of people watching us, God. I pray that you give us what we need. That if we're stressed out, God, you give your peace. If we're weak, God, you give you your strength. God, I pray that you know all of our needs, God. And so I pray that not only do you give it to us, God, that we ask for it. That these times are stressful and they're hard and we're forgetting what the sky looks like, but I pray that we don't forget who you look like. We don't forget who you are. We don't forget what you do for us. We don't forget what you've already done. So God, I pray today that as Sean Dunn speaks, that he steps back and that he just becomes a microphone for what you have for us. That we know that there's a good message and we know that there's something that we need to hear today. So I pray that we open our hearts and our ears for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome, 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 guys. Good morning on this Memorial Day weekend. As you heard, Sean Dunn woo, 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 is speaking to us today. So we're going to give him a warm welcome. And grab your coffee, grab your seat. It's going to be a great day. Wave at someone, tell them hello. I'm waving right now, so hello. <laughs> uh, well, good morning. Uh, nice to not see you all today. Um, this is, uh, this is a, a first for me. This is the first time I've ever actually stood in and, and spoken for somebody who's on, on a vow of silence, but Wayne is not very good at the silencing. He's good at the not talking thing, but he made a lot of noise right there as he played his guitar and the keys. But uh, the first time I ever met Wayne, he showed up to church with a long, tall, spiked mohawk that uh, I, I wish I could tell you that story. Maybe we'll have to do that another time. <laughs> hey, what, what an interesting season that we're in. I know we're actually getting tired of talking about the new normal and all that, but just as, as I was getting started, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to, to share this with you. Uh, you know, one of the scriptures that's just been resonating in my heart during this season is Genesis fifty twenty, where uh, Joseph is, is sitting there. Is it Joseph? Man, I just went blank. Isn't that horrible? Joseph is sitting there and, uh, and, and he looks at his brothers who are afraid that he's going to take it out on him and he says what you intended to kill me destroy me what you intended to hurt me and I love the NIV translation it says God has turned it around and he's made it for good for the salvation of many and one of the things that I'm seeing in this season is that God is making good things come out of this difficult season for many people and I want to encourage you to keep your eyes open for that because God's doing great stuff in the kingdom, but he is also doing really good stuff in our individual lives. The challenge is we might miss it. We might not see that because we're so focused on what's going wrong or what's uncertain or what's in chaos that we might miss what God is doing. And he is, and that's just the way he works. When the devil tries to bring destruction, God brings life. When the devil tries to bring confusion, God brings clarity. And so just keep your eyes open. And one of those things that God is doing that I'm really excited about in the kingdom is, is the harvest is absolutely right. And I want to encourage you with this. As, as the church, sometimes we get our eyes off of what God's doing in the big picture because we see what God's doing in our community. But I, I run an organization that I am so encouraged and honored and blessed to run called Groundwire. And one of the things we're seeing is the harvest is ripe. If you look at Matthew 9, 35 to 38, Jesus is walking and his disciples recorded this way. He said he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus looked at culture and he said, what 
a stinking mess. <laughs> they don't know who to trust. They don't know where, which, which way's up, which way's down. And I think that if we looked at our culture, we could say that chaos, chaotic, uh, harassed and helpless like sheep that People don't know who to trust. They don't know what's going on. And the, fi- the, the thing that I find very interesting is once Jesus identified culture that way, the very next thing he said is, the harvest is ripe. When we find culture to be a mess and to be confused and just nobody knows where to go, people are more open to the gospel in those moments than they've ever been before. I believe that we're seeing the greatest harvest. Let me just share with you just a couple of things. In the month of, of April alone, now I'm going to share with you some crazy numbers, but they've been validated by third parties. Our commercials, we play commercials on, on uh, mobile devices to interact with millennials and Gen Z who are not walking with the Lord and will not walk into a church. Our commercials were seen over 44 million times in the month of April alone. We had over 308,000 people visit one of our websites last month and we saw 18,320 people say, I need a relationship with Jesus. Last month alone. Mm. We're on track to see 175,000 people in the U.S. give their life to Christ this year. So be encouraged. But one of the things I want to share with you is that's, those are huge numbers. But I want you to know that their stories, their lives, their souls in the midst of that. Just on, on Monday or Tuesday, I was reading through one of the chats. Uh, what we do is we, we interrupt them and then we invite them into a conversation. We have volunteers all over the world that man this chat line. And this one young lady on Monday, I think it was Monday, she came on and she asked this question, Do I matter? Mm. And so many people in the world are asked, do I matter? Does anybody see me? Does anybody care? What's my purpose? And she ends up getting connected with one of our volunteer coaches in Oklahoma who does a great job of walking her through how much she matters to Jesus. Shares a lot of scripture and I love it. And after she prayed to receive Christ, here's what she asked. The coach asked her, she said, so let me ask you, do you matter? I love this. She started with, do I matter, question mark. And as soon as she was asked that question, she came back in all caps. And she said, I do matter. No question mark, exclamation points. And then the coach said this. This was beautiful. I love this. She said, the person you are when you love and are walking with Jesus is the real you. The brilliant you. The bring it you. The breathtaking you. The born for this moment you. And the girl came back and she said, I feel like I could change the world. Man, God is rescuing people. And uh, if you want to learn more, uh, visit JesusCares.com is one of our websites and just kind of explore around there. We need people, if you love to answer the question, do I matter? And you want to tell people about Jesus? We could use you. We have a volunteer team all over the world. We could add more. We're adding 70 a month. We need more because God's doing something amazing. Let me pray real quick again because I want to jump into the message. Father, thank you so much, God, for what you're doing. God, thank you that you're good. God, thank you that in the midst of this chaos that you still reign, that you're still on the throne. God, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts today. God, that you encourage us with your word, God, that you'd encourage us with these principles in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was youth pastoring actually here in Castle Rock, Colorado, back in the early 90s, a young girl walked up to me during the church service. And she tapped me on the shoulder and she said, could we go talk? And so went away, went, went, went into the uh, sanctuary or the uh, foyer and we, we started to talk. And she said, I had the worst day of my life on Friday. It was horrible. She said, I, I got into some trouble at school and, and because I was, I, I was talking too much, I, I was late getting back from lunch and I walked into the, 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 uh, the classroom and the teacher said, you've been tardy too long, too, too often, so you need to go and talk to, you need to go talk to the principal. She said, I never met the principal and I liked it that way. 
If they know your name, that's not a good thing. She said she walked in and the principal looked at her, her record and said, you know what, the only thing that I can see to do, you, you, you just seem to not care about showing up or showing up on time. And so she said, you know what, I'm going to have to suspend you from the track team. Well, that led to another thing and, and somebody saw that she was down. Isn't it just like the devil to send somebody to us when we're down and we're discouraged? He knows that when we stand strong and we're confident, we're full of courage, that he can't get our attention. But she was discouraged and a, a young man walked up to her and said, you know what you need to do? You need to go drinking with me. Your parents don't know that you got kicked off the track team, so let's just go behind the gym and we'll drink. And so, sure enough, they uh, got caught. And uh, principal's office, second time in a day, and the principal sat her down and the mom walked in and the principal looked at the girl and then looked at the mom and said, I'm so disappointed in her. I thought she was different. And all the way home, mom was just sitting in, in this agonizing silence with her daughter and the daughter was beating herself up. Nobody needed to tell her that she'd messed up. She'd already embraced that. She was struggling to find hope and to find anything good about herself because she was believing the whispers in her head until as they turned into the driveway, the mom amplified those whispers by saying, you know what? I'm so disappointed in you. She said, now you're just like them and God will never be able to use you. And that Sunday morning, Chrissy asked me, is it true? Have I ruined my testimony so much? Have I destroyed God's plan for my life that God will never... She, she was disappointed she got suspended from school. She was disappointed she got kicked off the track team, but she was more discouraged because she was wondering, have I blown it so much that God can never use me? And that began a journey where I began to learn about not only forgiveness, she, she embraced God's forgiveness, but there was this cloud that hung over her and I discovered what it was. It was a cloud of shame. And I have learned that shame is one of the most aggressive forms of attack that the enemy throws at us. It steals our courage. It steals our confidence. It does so many other things. So today what I want to do is quickly, I want to walk you through what does shame look like? How does it play out in our life? What are the symptoms of shame? And then I want to talk about where does shame come from and what does the Bible say about shame? Let me tell you where, what it looks like in our lives. You might not look in the mirror and say, you know what, I have shame in my life. But the best way to discover if you have shame is to look to see if these um, symptoms are, are in your life. What does shame do? Shame puts you in a bondage of self-perception. If you always look in the mirror and you think, man, there's something wrong with me. Everybody else is better. That could be shame. You put you in a bondage of self-perception. It makes you, um, it, it, it puts you in a position where you struggle to receive love. Somebody compliments you and you just reject it like you're just sma smashing a tennis ball across the net. Like, you know what? I'm not lovable. I'm not, I'm not that. I'm not what you think I am. We can't receive love. Some people can't even receive hugs. Now, in this culture, nobody can. But you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's sometimes when you go to give somebody an authentic, I love you, you're my friend, hug. And they just back away. Or they just kind of do this. Sometimes it's because you can't receive love because of shame. Shame also makes you settle for less than you deserve. God wants to bless you. He wants to give you great relationships. He wants to, to just do, get, do amazing things. And sometimes shame won't let you receive those things. And so you settle for less than you deserve. One of the things that grieves my heart as a, as a dad is when I see young ladies who settle for less than they deserve. They, they date guys that are not worth their time and attention. I'm not trying to be mean. But I mean, these young ladies have so much 
character and confidence and they just give it away because they want somebody so bad that they're not willing to wait for God's best because they're afraid that this is the best that will ever come their way. The whole time God's setting them up for a beautiful relationship if they'll wait. It also puts them in a cycle of self-destruction, whether it's substances, whether it's uh, just self-talk, just beating themselves up. Put you, shame puts you in this cycle of self-destruction and it, it makes you wander around like something is wrong with you. And I want you to know that's not God's plan for your life. God wants you to be free from shame. And I can prove it to you. But before I do that, I shared what, what are the symptoms of shame. Now let me talk quickly about where does shame come from biblically. Where does shame come from? This is one of the things I found incredibly interesting because in the early years of my ministry, and I've been in ministry for a long time, 30 plus years, I never even thought of the word shame until I began to study it. The word shame is used in scripture 239 times. That's a ton. It's a major issue. God recognizes it's a major issue because the devil is using it all the time to steal, kill, and destroy. Here are the three, three, three uh, things. Shame comes from these three things. Number one is it comes from sin and mistakes. When we do something that steps out of God's plan for our life, it creates this shame, this cloud that covers us. Unless we let God help us get rid of it, it will follow us. Maybe you remember the story in John chapter 8 where the woman was caught in the act of adultery. Caught in the act. It wasn't a rumor. It wasn't a maybe. It wasn't speculation. She was caught in the act. And she was dragged around town. And as she was dragged through town, people were doing one of two things. They were either pointing and laughing at her or they were turning away and whispering. Maybe you felt like that. Maybe you walked through life, maybe through your church. And because of something that you've done, you feel like people know and they're judging you by that. And you think they're either pointing and laughing, what a mess, or they're turning away and whispering. This woman was trapped and she was caught. They was dragged in front of Jesus. And they threw her down in front of Jesus. And you know the story. They said, what should we do with her? And they didn't care about her. They only cared about Jesus. They were trying to trap him. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is he didn't care about them, the crowd. In that moment, he cared about her. He cares about the individual who's broken, who's lost, who's struggling. And he chases them all off. You know the story. But in my picture, I picture him reaching down, grabbing her by the wrist and standing her up. But before he makes a comment to her, I picture him putting his finger under her chin because she can't even look him in the eyes. The Bible says the eyes are the window to the soul. And when you're dealing with shame, you can't look people in the eye because you're afraid they're looking right into you, not at you, but into you. So she's looking at the ground and I picture Jesus just taking his finger, putting it under her chin until she is eye to eye with him. And I picture him pausing for just a moment, smiling. A little peace comes over her like, man, maybe he doesn't judge me. And then he asks, he says, where are those who judge you? And she looks around to realize they're all gone. And she starts to get excited. But as she turns and she starts to look back towards Jesus, the thought flashes through her mind. He can still, he knows. So she tenses up again, but she looks back and she looks into his eyes and she realizes he doesn't even judge me, does he? He said, great, go and don't sin anymore. Shame comes from sin and mistakes. But that is not a sentence of failure on your life forever. It is an opportunity to respond to conviction, to say, God, I've screwed up. Maybe some of you have already experienced that in your past, but you still let it hover over you. 
it's time to look into the eyes of Jesus, realize he's forgiven you and you move on with it. And you rebuke that shame and you rebuke what the enemy's trying to do in your life. Shame comes from sin and mistakes. Second thing shame comes from is, and I wish we didn't have to talk about this in our culture, but it comes from pain and abuse. Man, I never experienced those things. But some of you have. Some of you experienced pain and abuse. Somebody took advantage of you. People that were supposed to protect you hurt you. I get it. But that shame can come on you in that moment. It's actually scriptural. Second Samuel chapter 13, David's kids, Amnon and Tamar. Amnon was messed up. He looked at his sister and he wanted her in that way. And he tricked her, he manipulated her, and he got her into the room and he pulled her onto the bed. And as he was having his way with her, she actually said, if you do this to me, where will I go to get rid of my disgrace? Another word for shame. If you abuse me this way, I'm going to have this thing hanging over me. She wanted free, but unfortunately, he was more powerful. And the Bible says she was put away as a desolate woman because she couldn't function. And so many people have experienced those things and they can't function. Pain and abuse brings shame, but it is not, again, a sentence that says you have to live under that forever. It's an opportunity for you to say, God, you need to heal my heart. God, you need to even heal my memories. God, you need to give me a different perspective on this because God, I don't want to look in the mirror and see damage. I don't want to look in the mirror and feel like I did something wrong. I want to look at you and know that you are there for me and that your plan for my life is still good. Shame comes from pain and abuse. It comes from sin and mistakes. The third one is shame comes from feeling, and this is a weird word, but it comes from feeling handicapped. Something's wrong with me. Story in Acts chapter 3. One of five disciples are walking and there's a guy sitting there and he's been handicapped. He's shaking the, the cup at him. He says, hey, give me something. Give me something. And I, Here's why I know it was shame. Because it wasn't just physical, it was emotional, it was consciousness, it was all of these things. Because they looked at him and the first thing they said to him is, look at us. Eyes of the window to the soul. Look at me. I'm not just going to pronounce healing over you. Look at me. I want to I I speak dignity into your life. I want to speak hope into your life. I want you to know that somebody sees you. Look at me. And he did, and then they spoke the healing into his life. Well, maybe you're handicapped, maybe you have something that's wrong, maybe you don't, maybe it, maybe it's relational. Maybe you, by this season in your life, you thought you would have a different relationship status. And you feel like because either you didn't get married, or you had a failed marriage, or because it's not what you thought it would be. You feel like something's wrong with me. And it creates this shame. Maybe it's your success. Maybe, maybe you thought that you'd have it all together by now and you don't. Maybe it's finances, but you just don't feel like you fit in. You feel like something's broken inside of me. And that creates shame. And so you walk around with this cloud of shame. And I want you to know that God doesn't want that for you. He wants to set you free. God wants you to walk with this freedom where you have confidence and courage, where you can receive everything that he has for you, where you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about you. Maybe they will point and laugh for a season. Maybe they will turn away and whisper for a short time. But something 
needs to change because you need to know that when God looks at you, you still bring a smile to his face. And it's not a mocking smile. It's a smile of pleasure and love. Just like when we watch our kids or our grandkids run around and they do something fun. Can't help but smile. You bring a smile to his face. Let me tell you what the Bible says about shame. I said already, it's actually in the Bible 239 times in the New International Version. The first time it shows up is in Genesis 2.25. It says they were naked and they knew no shame. The way God put his stamp of approval on creation is he said, they're not supposed to know shame. They're not supposed to know shame. They're, they're supposed to walk free from this cloud of, of guilt and something's wrong and something's messed up with me. Genesis 2.25, they were naked and they knew no shame. I want you to know when God looks at you, he doesn't want you to walk with shame. He wants you to be free from all of that stuff. And only he can truly bring the freedom. Let me share a couple other scriptures. Isaiah 54.4 says, You will remember no more the shame of your youth. You know what God's saying there? Sometimes in our early years, we do things or experience things that create shame. But when you're walking in right relationship with him, you don't have to remember the shame. You, now, he's not saying he's going to erase it from your memory. You're still going to remember, but you're going to learn from it. And you're going to walk free from the guilt and the paralyzing emotion that comes with shame. Free You'll remember no more the shame of your youth. Isaiah 61, 7 says, instead of your shame, man, this is a promise for anybody who's walking in relationship with him. Catch this. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in, your, in the land and everlasting joy will be yours. You want to know what God's saying? Shame or joy? I've made a way so you can know joy. A double portion of joy. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Come on, that's, that's amazing stuff. But it's made for those people who are walking in relationship with him. We can come and say, God, because you are my father and because I'm your child, God, I need you to rip this shame out of my life because it's, it's paralyzing to me. And there's, it's, it's not who I am. You want me to walk free. And you can hold on to that Isaiah 61 verse 7. Then Romans 10, 11 says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. It means not trust as in like I believe, but it means to cling to, rely on, to grab hold of with both arms and both legs, wrapping your arm around a pole as if there's this tornado coming and you got no choice but to hold on to that one thing. Mm. When you put your hope in him, it says that you will never be put to shame. Man, I, I don't know, to be honest with you, why God wanted me to share this this morning, but it was very, very clear to me as I began to pray that this is, this is the word that I was supposed to bring. And I know that there's somebody out there right now, maybe probably more than one, that you need to hear this because you need to know that God put his stamp of approval on you and your relationship with him is secure. And yes, I realize where shame comes from and I realize that maybe there are some things in your past that you have problems breaking free from, but God doesn't have problems forgiving you for or helping you overcome. So the only thing I know to do right now is just to pray because we can turn to, the, to our Heavenly Father and say, God, we need your help. And I, I'm so convinced, absolutely 100% convinced that God is going to bring freedom to some of you right now. So would you join me? Father, in the name of Jesus right now, God, I thank you, Lord, that you 
God, know our hearts better than anybody else. God, that you know exactly what's going on inside of us. Father, you know exactly who is going to see this, hear it, and you know why. And Father, I thank you, God, that you bring freedom to the captives. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you will set the captives free. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, for every individual watching, God, I pray, God, that you would just rip that shame, that cloud of shame, away from them. God, I pray that you would bring freedom to them. God, I pray that you would allow them to see your smile and to experience your pleasure. God, I pray that you would help them to hear your whispers of encouragement. God, you're not shouting at them like, they're, like you're mad. God, you've pulled them close and you've said, hey, I get it. I'm here for you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, God, would you saturate every person who's longing and clinging to this. God, would you, would you just allow them to experience your, your presence in a tangible way? God, to know your voice in an intimate way. And Father, I pray, God, that from this day forward, God, that the devil will never be able to steal from them because of shame anymore. God, if it's sin and mistakes, and if they've asked forgiveness, God, you have forgiven them because that's what you do. Father, they are free from those things. God, help them to learn from it, help them to turn from it, help them to run from sin, but run to you. God, may their sin never keep them away from you, but God, may it push them closer to you. Father, I pray for those who have experienced pain and abuse. God, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I, I, I can't relate to that, but God, I know you can. And Father, in the name of Jesus, would you bring healing? God, would you bring hope? God, would you change the perspective? Would you help them know, God, that you're bringing them through that? And Father, would you even help them to know how to utilize their experience to help other people who are going through it? And may they find freedom, Lord, as they speak hope to other people. Father, for those of us who just feel like sometimes people point and whisper, they turn away because something's just off with us. Maybe it's one of the things I mentioned, maybe it's not. God, would you just give us the courage to stand strong with great spiritual posture because we know our Heavenly Father adores us. He loves us. He's never left us or forsaken us and He never will. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that we, your people, would walk in freedom. Father, I curse shame in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray, God, that we would know your voice. We would walk in your will. And God, we would live in the abundant life that you've called us to walk in. In Jesus' name, amen. So, one last thing, I'm going to read the highlighted verse in the One Year Bible today. It's in John 13, 34 to 35. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other, just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples.
Thank you so much for tuning in today to the ministry of Summit Church and the daily outreach of Wayne Hansen. You can support our ministry in many ways. Click the donate button on our Facebook page, Summit Church of Castle Rock. Visit our webpage, mysummitchurch.com, and click the online giving link. Or mail your donation to Summit Church of Castle Rock, 200 South Wilcox Street, Box 243, Castle Rock, Colorado, 80104. Or finally, text your gift to 303-625-9434 and follow the prompts using your smartphone. You can also support us by connecting with our online community. Comment, like, share, follow, and subscribe on our various social media channels. Of course, we appreciate you joining us in daily prayer. I'm Sean Rima, and on behalf of Pastor Wayne and the Summit Church family, take care and have a great week. Remember, God loves you, and he has a wonderful plan for your life.